Grab a seat at the bar to join us for another episode of McAnally's Pubcast, a podcast exploring the fun and fantastical mind of Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files series. Hosts Tans and Jess, and maybe bring you another round of literary analysis on this immense, immersive, and colorful environment inhabited by Harry Dresden, the world's only licensed private investigator and professional wizard. Join an active and engaged community of new and diehard dedicated fans focused on the fabulous themes, theories, characters, context, lore, and more. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast by Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk. Welcome to the McAnally's Pubcast, brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. This is episode 10.2, An Old Flame, where we are covering the novel Death Masks. My name is Tanzan, and I'm joined by Maggie. Hello, hello. And Jess. Ah, damn it. <laughs> strike two. <laughs> episode two, strike two. <laughs> are you doing a new code, or is it still continuing? Yeah, a new one. I just didn't write one yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, we'll just, I didn't do a code for episode one or two, Okay. <laughs> And Jess. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 2. Father Vincent begins to plead his case to Dresden when a paid hitman takes aim on them. Dresden and Father Vincent escape in the Blue Beetle, but during their exit, Harry sees more hired men and recognizes one of the assailants to be Hendrix, Hired hand of Gentleman Johnny Marcone. So, yeah, not even just hired hand, but like the right hand man. Heads for the car with Father Vincent in tow. And um, immediately, you know, Vincent starts in with the, I, I must... I must insist on complete confidentiality because it's really embarrassing. I don't want to tell anybody I went to like a wizard because we don't really believe in that stuff. And yeah, so he's like, you think I'm like a crackpot, a charlatan, but you still want me to take your case. And he's like, well, I've heard that you're the best person. Um, like you have the, the best in with like the occult crowd and stuff like this. And this definitely falls within that realm kind of a thing. So Harry's like, okay. That became highly recommended by Father Forthill. From St. Mary's of the Angels. Should have said something, Mom. Right? Why didn't you lead with that? So love that guy. Right? So, yeah, that does change things. He's like, okay. I mean, once again, Harry's in his typical, I probably would have said yes anyways, because I need the money. Because once again, everything's overdue. (laughs) So, you know, I don't care. But it's nice. It's hell. It's like, okay, it's a bit more of something legit probably than if Fort Hill sent you along and it's not just some random guy with some random weird case or whatever. I'm like, it's going to be legit weird. <laughs> so yeah, so, you know, so he's all like, oh, you've got something supernatural. And he's like, well, naturally not. I want to point out that there's this moment here where like, you know, he's like, what are you looking for? Like magician? Are you looking for a wizard? And he's like, what's the difference? And he's like, ugh. <laughs> One was my father, one was me, yeah, first right. of all. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly right. He's like, I don't believe in magic, or are you going to do magic? And he's like, I'm not a magician, I'm a wizard. What's the difference? <laughs> uh, the difference is my mom or my dad. So uh, hello. <laughs> I'm like, I am not some, like, David Copperfield, even though I was named for him. I'm not some Harry Blackstone, even though I was named for him. <laughs> I'm not some Houdini. Even though I was saying, right? And he's like, however. Real confusing. Real confusing. Mm-hmm. 
I love this moment when you get to the car <laughs> to, to Dresden's Blue Beetle. He's like, what happened? I hit trees. You, you drove your car into a tree? No, trees, plural, and then a dumpster. <laughs> they were little trees. Ah. <laughs> they, they were little. I think they were all bundled together to make one giant tree. But <laughs> Which goes to show, since uh, the events of Grave Peril to now, he's not had money to repair it. <laughs> Not much Because, yeah, Summer Night, didn't, you didn't get any money for that. That's true. Because, <laughs> once again, he forgot to get a retainer from the frickin' fairy that probably could have magicked him up all kinds of money, but no. Oh, yeah. Poor, poor Harry. Poor, poor Harry. And it just reminds me of, like, the Gilmore story where Rory is like, I got hit by a deer. She's like, you hit a deer? She's like, no, the deer hit me. You know, he's like, you ran into a tree? It's like, no, I ran into, like, a bunch of trees. They were, they were baby you know what? It doesn't matter. It's not my fault. <laughs> you know? Do you want me to help you or not? Okay. <laughs> Trees were trying to kill me, man. Your Give face is break. stupid. <laughs> oh my goodness me! I just really quickly did the math here. Grave peril happened roughly in October two thousand and one, and death masks happens February two thousand and three. So he's had almost two years to get this car repaired and hasn't had the money to do it. <laughs> Bro, your life is rough. Great. Okay. Or I guess a year, a year and a half. October to February of the next year. So he had a year and a bit. Yeah, a year and a half. So yeah. a year and a bit to get this done and couldn't. Yeah. So Father Vincent begins asking for a ride to his hotel to share the details of the case. But Harry notices a gunman with a silencer taking aim. Mm-hmm. So Dresden reacts really quickly, thank God, and throws himself and Father, Father Vincent out of the way. It dukes a hazard it. Right, slides across the roof of the car, plows into Father Vincent, tackles him to the ground. He's all like, excuse you, do you know who I... And then it was all like, boom, boom, or pew, pew, or whatever silence kind of makes. And then Vincent's like, oh, wow, crap. So, yeah, they get a whole little... And and I love this, because he's reaching around the car to dig out his shotgun. (laughs) You know, he's kind of like, okay, so you have, like, a silencer that's super cool. I'm just going to grab my big-ass shotgun, because I don't have time for that shit. He does count the shots going off, so he knows when to time his opportunity. Yeah, he does keep track and listens to it. And apparently, you know, it's like like a good silencer and stuff, too. He's like, normally this shit would, like, just echo all the way over like a parking garage kind of a thing right so you've got um it's you're a professional right it's it's not just again some joe blow willy-nilly you know couldn't have come at a better time because like we just had to go through all a summer night and i'm like i miss marcone right we had right so just in the nick of time (laughs) his outfit shows up back on the scene Exactly. He is good to go, well-rested, ready to kill Dresden. <laughs> yeah. If only Dresden was ever as well-rested. <laughs> Manages. So the guy decides he doesn't want to mess with a big old shotgun and stuff like that. So he does a few of the, you know, fires blindly as he's running away because he knows that's going to do a lot more damage than, you know, his precise shooting here or whatever because... So he's like, get in the gu- get in the car and let's go. And he's like, wait, what? And he's like, we don't have time for, like, we're not just going to sit around and figure out who, like, get in the fucking car, let's go. And then has the shotgun to him. And the priest is like, what the hell? And then it's like they get out on, okay, first they drive around and realize there's more people waiting at, like, the, the right, they, entrance they see and three stuff thugs like that. And- yeah. So he does this super barrel past everybody real fast before they can get their shit together because we're not going to stand up against this. Um, and then he's like, what are you doing? Like, get that, get the shotgun, like, down out of the window. Like, if the cops see us driving around, he's like, it's not legal. And he's like, so he's got, like, this kidnapped priest with a shotgun. And- well, before they get out, he, he does see that it's Hendrix that's the one that's yeah. 
he recognizes Hendrix, who's yeah the right hand man for for Marcone. So it's not just not just random professionals or anything. It's the mobsters, and it is Marcone's mobsters. And what the fuck did he do to piss them off now? Because like you say, he hasn't had anything to do with them for like an entire book or more. <laughs> you know, so what is up? Um, and then yes. So, yeah, figures out right away, like, because the guy had the good silencer and all that, knew right away that it was going to be the outfit. They're going to have the exit covered. we got to move fast before they get into place to block us off again. To be fair, though, to Father Vincent, like, he does not come from, like, a country known for, like, its gun. It's not an American. Paraphernalia. So to be like, here, hold this gun. It's not legal. Like, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I just suddenly showed up in America and someone's handing me a gun, be like, by the way, this isn't legal. I'd be like, all right, bye. <laughs> right. Well, exactly right. Here you've been recommended to this professional for what we're going to find out in a bit is a kind of sensitive matter and everything anyways. And even here so, in Canada, where, like, hunting is a huge, huge, huge thing, right? And a shotgun is not that a surprising thing to see or to know people who own shotguns. Coming from Italy is like, you know, I can't imagine shotguns would be the gun of choice out in Italy if they did have, if you did know someone with a gun. like Yeah, I have never gone hunting in Italy. I don't know what kind of game they have out there or what they would use. So I'm with you on that one. Yeah, yeah. you don't hear a lot about Italian shotguns that I'm aware of. So yeah, so go jouncing away, blah, 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 blah. Finally take a minute to breathe. So where are we going? Just another day in the life of beating Harry Dresden. Yeah. You want to kill me with that thing? Put that out of the way. So yeah, so figure out, um, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he's no idea why Marcone is sending goons after him or anything like that, right? So he still doesn't know why Vincent is hiring him even. So he's already met up with Ortega. He's already, like, blown up his studio. He's already had somebody try to take him out in a parking garage with a silencer and then have, you know three, four backups at the entrance to deal with him, and he doesn't even know what he's getting hired for is the case, because it's like... Yeah, it was important enough to covertly drag one of the Vatican staff all the way to Chicago. Maybe it was important enough to kill a nosy wizard over, too. It was turning into one hell of a day. Thank you so much to our Patreon subscribers for your generous support. It's people like you who help us keep doing what we're doing. If you're not yet a Patreon subscriber, sign up today and get a fuck ton of bonus content, kick-ass merch, behind-the-scenes outtakes, and more. Sign up today at patreon.com slash freeflowrambling. Chapter 3 Once to the safety of Father Vincent's hotel, he enlists Dresden to recover a stolen artifact for the church, the one and only Shroud of Turin. Dresden accepts the case and heads back to his apartment to be surprised by the end of an altercation, which happens to involve the long-lost Susan. Incidental. Mort said you were in Peru and you're actually in Chicago? Lies. Mort, you big fat liar. Wow. You're dead to me. Wow. Useless. Seriously. Ugh, that guy. Ugh. So yeah, so go to some cheap Motel 6 or something somewhere. This is what the Vatican's paying for? (laughs) Right. (laughs) This is why the Vatican is still rich. (laughs) (laughs) 
we could put you up at the Waldorf, but Motel 6 sounds good. <laughs> Super 8. <laughs> so, yeah, it goes in, and immediately he's got, like, a little envelope and stuff like that. So they're interested. The church, the church, is interested in recovering some stolen property. So he's like, there's already police and everything involved, right? And Harry's like, well, then what do you need me for? Like, if this is, like, No, this is the weird thing. Interpol's involved. And he's like, I don't want the police involved. And it's like, well, you've got Interpol involved already, so you've got the police involved. (laughs) Yeah. No, well, he he does. There is... Because, yes, they did have to go through the normal. Interpol is involved. And he says an investigation is underway, and I am giving your police department my full cooperation. So he is working with, like, Chicago PD. But he's like, but... His, how to say this politely, you know, he's like, history is an able teacher. So he's like, oh, you don't trust the police, gotcha. And he's like, well, you know, in the past. And, I mean, again, it's kind of cute. And he's like, that's mostly movies. He's like, I hate to tell you now, but, like, Capone was a while ago. But, again, I mean, I think we've poked fun at that and made mention of that, that, you know, Chicago does still have a reputation for crooked police and cops and mobsters and all that kind of stuff, right? It's why Marcone set up shop so nicely there. It's a good place And Harry really shouldn't be all that surprised about that because uh, because of Marcone having influence over the... Yeah. He's already seen it. And I don't think he's super surprised. He just, again, kind of likes to make people say it he's like he's not gonna just let it go and you know he's kind of like he's so a, a priest <laughs> with the church who's all about being good and honest and truthful and up and up and the right channels i mean you did go to the police but you don't really trust them and you're gonna take a potential shyster because we might be able to do better because i know people in the occult and you know what <laughs> you I mean? and all your shady friends yeah exactly right so he's like oh you're going through the police and you're gonna do it on the up and up but you're gonna check out the back channels to you just to make sure all your bases are covered right I sort of felt it was a little bit more that way or whatever, right? And I mean, yeah, like, again, it's it, Harry does have a point, too. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure, I hope, it is mostly in the movies now. <laughs> but nonetheless, like you say, it's that reputation and stuff still lingers. And obviously, as we've learned, it's not all, like, there is obviously, you know, corruption and shit in the world. I don't want to shock anybody, but... What? There might actually, yeah, there might actually be, like, a dirty cop in, like, a police station in, like, Alberta. It's almost really like rare, but they get busted in every town in any country in the world constantly. I know, right? So, see both sides of it. Mm-hmm. So this is yeah, but not Chicago, right? But not Chicago. Not it's, Chicago. That's, that's, <laughs> it's, it's totally cleaned up its act. Harry's yeah. like, we are golden We're here fine. now. You should trust them, okay? We are, yeah. I just straight up seen Marcone's retainers. You're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry's like, I have never met a bad cop here yet, okay? Like, I don't know if you remember the whole werewolf. <laughs> they all refused to meet me except for Marcone. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if y'all remember Full Moon, but I met this great kid named Rudy who just joined the department. Like, gem of a boy. Real up and comer. Real up and comer. Bright things in his future. So much. He'll never disappoint us. Ever. <laughs> you get the chance. <laughs> Why are you crying? That part I, <laughs> that part I remember. <laughs> we Elaine is gone. We don't have her to pick on. So no. <laughs> how do we really feel about and good <laughs> So Father Vincent continues to describe a relic stolen from the, the, the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist in northern Italy. Yeah. He's like, okay, he's like, well, that's kind of a ways away. And he's like, well, you know, we have reason to believe it was brought here to Chicago. And he's like, why? 
And then he gets handed a picture of a, a really horrible way to die. <laughs> like, this body's not nice. It's all... I, I believe this is the one where he said it's all sliced to literal ribbons. Really sliced up. But yeah, he's basically got like a grid work or whatever of like, you know, Everything. just slices. Yeah, like he looks like a piece of graph Perfect, paper. Perfect, like two inch slices across the entirety of the body. Yeah. And there's a bunch of blood like pooling beneath the body and everything like that. So you get it all. Was it this one? In this picture, like that was in this picture that he describes this, or are you talking about the autopsy? She's later? talking about the autopsy. I'm talking about this picture. Oh, I'm no, I'm not talking about the autopsy. Okay, because I don't remember that being in the. Okay, it's not in the picture. No, <sighs> he's we, a fully formed we, body and man. We believe that the artifact was brought here to Chicago to be sold. Why? He took an eight by ten glossy black and white from the folder and passed it to me. It featured a fairly messy corpse lying on the cobblestones. Blood had run into the small spaces between the stones, as well as pooling a little on the ground around the body. I think it had been a man, but it was hard to tell for certain. Whoever it was had been slashed to almost literal ribbons across the face and neck. Sharp, neat, straight cuts. Professional knife work. Oh, okay. Yuck. All right. So the other body is also right. sliced up and also has all the rest of it and is also missing. But yes. So that's why I was checking it. This one doesn't have any of the extra stuff, but it's all sliced up. So we discover this is Gaston LaRouche, and he's the supposed ringleader of an organization <laughs> called the Church Wife. Which is the worst name ever. The worst name. I love, I like it. Why it's do you stupid. not like this? It's just stupid. Why? For thieves? Like, okay. Uh, to me, it's always been to go back to the, to the, the phrase or whatever, like quiet as a church mouse. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I get the reference. So, I just don't like the name. I think it's silly. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't really call myself after a mouse. I guess maybe. I've definitely heard worse names for gangs. Listen, I agree. It's things. one of the hardest things to do when branding yourself is name yourself. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> for sure. And again, who, who knows if they came up with it or if they were dubbed that. I mean, it's like the whole She-Hulk thing. She-Hulk is so lame. That's the best. But it's stuck because that's what everyone called her. <laughs> that 70s show. Or you get... They call themselves that 70s show because when they're trying to come up with a title for that, they're like, who fucking cares? Everyone's just going to refer to us as that 70s show. Let's just call ourselves that 70s show. <laughs> nice. I, I didn't know that. It makes sense, but I never heard that particular reason, but exactly, right? Anyway, I, I never bothered me. I always thought it was kind of cute, the church mice, that they just slipped in and out, but whatever. You can, I guess, have your opinion for now. You're entitled to be wrong. So, they specialize in robbing sanctuaries and cathedrals and all this kind of stuff. So, the body was found right afterwards uh, and had a bunch of false American ID and travel tickets and everything like that. So, but not the same. So, I kind of like this, right? So, he gets another black and white of some grainier pictures of some women and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, do you know who the buyer is or anything like that? And they're like, no. And he's like, you know, he's like, well, that's what they want you to think. You know, he's like, this is just laid out too perfect. To lead, you know, like big flashing neon sign saying, "Don't look at Chicago," <laughs> you know. So he's like, mm, it "Seems a little too convenient." Like they they want you to find it because they don't know where it is either. And um, even just the whole thing, because I, I think they specifically described what it is already. Right? No, he hasn't. He just said it was. Um, so yeah. So he's like, it's it's. Um, they figure the body was staged or whatever. Body was staged because while there is blood there, there's not enough to have like emptied out of 
a, a victim. So he's like, he just happened to find his body at the airfield with this ID, with these travel plans and nothing else. Like, hmm. So obviously he was put there so you could find him. Yeah, left as a clue. Left as a clue. And, you know, again, he's like, this was like a professional. Like, look at the way these cuts are done and everything. And he's like, and again, this is where it's just like, ugh, right? Like, too real. He's like, probably unconscious because you can't, it'd be really hard to hold a man still while you, like, sliced up his face and everything like that. Right? And you're just like, I, yes, no, I would not want to be conscious and experiencing that. So, just all kinds of icky, yuck, yuck. And, um... So they're like, either they're here or someone wants you to think they're here, whatever, right? So they're either setting us up to, like, do the dirty work or the hard work and find it for them, or they're totally trying to make this, like, a big, huge red herring and get us looking in the wrong place so they can make up with it or whatever. Oh, yeah, it really seems like, why go looking for it ourselves when we can just, like, indirectly have Harry on the case to find it for us? And all we gotta do is follow Harry. Yeah. Way easier. Way easier. He's such a, like, like... What a go-getter. Subtle. Well, but again, it's like, it's hard to miss where Harry's been. <laughs> you know, a church mouse, he is not. There's usually, you know... Follow the trail of burn buildings. Of destruction and chaos and He's the church bell. Boom. Yeah, exactly. Boom. <laughs> it's gotta be the easiest thing in the world for bad guys, though, because you show up in Chicago one day and, like, the first piece of news is, like, Larry Fowler said explodes while in the middle of taping their supernatural <laughs> episode and you're just like all right step one done <laughs> 300 I shell casings right found place. in the parking lot next to Larry I'm like all right I'm down the block <laughs> all right yeah let's go that away <laughs> there's a bumper on the ground that belongs to a beetle we're on the right track boys <laughs> And a hubcap, and an antenna, <laughs> and a side mirror, and a window. Back window. <laughs> like, and a back window, and a back window, and a back window. <laughs> so much glass. So much glass. Right. So yeah, so finally Harry's like, wait a second here. Where did you say this came from? <laughs> He's like, Northern Italy. He's like, hmm. like well, more specific than that? Turin? That's in Northern Italy, Yeah. Okay, so, because he gets him to describe it, right? So he's like, it's a piece of linen, about yay big, it's got some old stains on it. I like how that he breaks it down to, like, its worst qualities. It's like, are you a priest in the Catholic Church? You're like, just some mangy piece of cloth, don't even worry about it, don't even worry about it, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> are you allowed to describe it that way? <laughs> I guess, I'm sure you are, I guess you can't, I mean, God gave us free will, you can describe it any way you want to. <laughs> why does he keep drowning us when we do stuff? <laughs> He doesn't necessarily like what you say, but he'll let you say it. And then he's like, no, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> Setting you up for failure. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I basically, and I mean, I get, again, it's to sort of draw it out a little bit. And if you have the faintest inkling of what he's talking about, you're doing the same thing Harry is. And you're going, wait, what? But if you don't, you kind of don't get the significance. Okay, so it's an old piece of cloth. Nothing, like, not a fancy cloth. It's not like golden embroidery it's just plain linen really old how did all has of, like, a bunch of stains how did all of jesus's shit get distributed distributed yeah because like i've been to like the notre dame in paris right and they've got the thorn crown whatever its real name is i don't know the crown of thorns oh wow i, I nailed that one <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh, anyways. And yet, <laughs> waka, waka, and, yet, waka. <laughs> and 
yet she hasn't been struck by lightning or drowned in a flood. So this Jessica, you are living but proof. But he keeps trying. You are living proof of why Miss Priest can describe the shot this way, yeah. You know what, honestly, um, um, but yeah, like, I'm like, like, was it like, I don't even know, like, did invaders just be like, this is I, mine, this is mine, this is mine? Pretty it's much. Like, honestly, I'm going to say a lot of it was just like, like, pillage and plunder and, I don't know, there was this thing called- Everyone the, gets one piece there, of Jesus merch each. Yeah, there, there, there was this, like, crusade thing where, sure, sure, you sure, know, but, they were like- But that was the British. <laughs> this is now Northern Italy and France who's got their own Jesus merch. Not, if it was all in Britain, I'd be like, no- I don't need to be told how this happened. That's how they have everything. But how did France get something, and how did Northern Italy keep something? Yeah. Honestly, yeah, some of it would be the times where it was found and, you know, be like, hey, we found this here. This is where it gets to live. Sometimes relics and things are moved because exactly they'll be like, excuse me, um, that was here. It got lost. It got stolen. Nazis, whatever. Yeah, we want rare. it back. You know, that's pretty. Rare. I think it's pretty much like how any other like museum and blah blah blah, right? Stuff gets raided, stuff gets sold, stuff gets found. Somebody just lays claim to it, and that's where it lives until somebody comes along and says, that's "We fine. have a more legit claim to it." And now, in the interest of you know, fair play and all of that, you don't get to be an asshole and just keep it because you stole it. You like <laughs> have to give it back to us. It's right. That's not a real thing. Like that. No, that's not a. That never happens in the real world. <laughs> so. Anyways, I don't know. Go look up, like, same deal with, like, all the Egyptian artifacts and stuff like that, right? They keep trying to reclaim all those kinds of things. Yeah, and the world keeps telling them no. Yeah, okay, well. (laughs) So the church obviously got their hands back on a bunch of stuff and whatever. And in some ways, what do they care? The church is the church. As long as this church has it, we don't really care if that church wants it. Sure. I don't know. Anyways. Look for that extra content on our webpage when we (laughs) discover how all of Jesus' shit. So they cast lots. (laughs) <laughs> and split up all of his belongings. Jesus eBay. And hung him on the <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, <G-bay. laughs> oh my god. Anyways. Wow, so moving on. Right. So so Dresden does ask if the shroud has any magical significance, which Father Vincent denies and says that its value is historical and symbolic only. Yeah. Because he's just a non-believer. It's, yeah, he's like, I believe in Christ and all this and da 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 But again, it's just a piece of cloth. It's, you know. Oh, this makes much more sense. All the royals were giving it as gifts. There you go. That makes a lot more sense. That does make a lot that's, more sense. That's a legitimate thing that we would do. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be friends. Here, have the crown of thorns. Exactly. Here, you can have the big boulder from his tomb. Um, so anyways, um, what were we just saying? Oh, yeah, so he doesn't really believe that it's mystical as such. It's just, and Harry says, well, that kind of makes it mystical just in that sense, because it does have historic and symbolic properties. And if enough people believe in it and have enough faith, that in and of itself may be enough to make it mystical and magical and imbue it with powers of its own and stuff like that, right? So again, it's a kind of little, you know, tit for tat, two sides of the coin, you know? On the one hand, you could be like, well, a cloth is just a cloth is just a cloth. But if you believe that cloth, you know, Dumbo's magic feather, whatever, could Dumbo fly because his feather was magic or was his feather magic because he believed he could fly, you know? Like, yeah. So after he gets over his panic of, you want me to find the freaking shroud of Turin? (laughs) 
<laughs> like I'll need a thousand dollars, please. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> to and start. no guarantee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, in all fairness, he asked for the thousand dollars before he even knew it was because he's like a thousand dollars and a description, and then he's like, "Wait, what you're describing to me sounds an awful lot." But he's like, "They sent you from the Vatican." Like, okay, I learned my lesson with Mab. Give me the dough up front. Give me yeah. the coin. You, before got, you I get- guys. You guys can fucking pay. I know you can pay. You came to me. Before I get too interested and forget to talk about money. <laughs> right. I, I like that, that sucked in. I like that he hands out 10 Ben Franklins, though. It's like straight from the airport. Straight from the airport exchange. <laughs> Here's 10 Ben Franklins. <laughs> right. So we find out that Harry knows a few things about it. Like, again, with a lot of these things, even though he's not a real churchy Christian type of person, he's well familiar with the basic lore and and um, what this thing is rumored to do. So yeah, so this is so Harry's like yeah, so it might have powers myself because everyone believes in it. And Victor's like, this is why we figure that you know I figured that your thing with the occult and stuff like that would come in handy because exactly if people believe in stuff and think it's worth something and has whatever right, then you might know some of these backwater shady people that might be interested in this and know something. So he's kind of going back and forth. So he's like, even though, you know, it could just be a copy, it could just be a fake, it could be the real thing, but not actually worth anything or have any powers. Um, It could be, you know, also that it is a hugely powerful artifact and that, and in which case, if it does get into the wrong hands or something, that could be super bad too. Yeah, there's quite a bit of an unknown for it. There's a lot of unknown for it. Um... So, yeah, he's basically like, regardless kind of who, what, how, why, when, there's something special about this, you know. So, yeah, okay, we need to do this. So, he figures this is why Mark, you know, she's like, okay, well, this is why Marcone might already be involved, why I've got hitters on me, because this definitely would be the kind of thing that Marcone would be interested in. Again, from a straight-up mobster, this is a bargaining chip, I can get money and power from it, to Marcone dipping his toes into the other side of learning about the supernatural and educating himself on that. He could have things he wants to do with the Shroud. So then you need to figure out the police and the FBI and the Interpol and all of this and blah, blah, blah. And he figures with that many people looking for it, chances are it's not going to stay hidden for that long, especially because it's become a big to-do now with, you know, bodies popping up and stuff like that. You really got to give it up for Butcher. I think this is the fastest he's, like, tangled up Harry's life. This all happened Maybe. in, like, an hour. This is With, what? like, Duke Ortega and Father Fort Hill, and now he's about to go home. Father like, Vincent? Sure. Him too? Yeah. But I was like, this was really fast. Like, Stormfront took, like, oh, like several days, really, to get everything suitably twisted up, right? And Summer Night was, like, took, like, all day to get everything lined up all in a problem, day. right? <laughs> well, he started out in yeah, the morning at the park, and then he had to go and have his meeting at, like, 1, and then, like... It was too Elaine late. showed up like that, or then he had to go and see the council, oh, and then he and had Elaine's. to go, and then Elaine showed up that night. Like it took all day for that one to get sorted, it but did, this one though. was like you know hour, two hours tops to get right. everything and fucking fucked up. Like right, it's really speeding this shit up. <laughs> right, they're like, well, you just you just know how this goes now, Harry. Yeah. So we're just yeah. gonna cut by the formalities, yeah. right? We don't need to go through the whole shebang. We're not gonna have your own cut scene with the mafia. They're gonna kill you while you're doing your like right in between Duke Ortega and, and Father <laughs> Vincent. Let's just throw them in. Right, exactly. So, and he already figures out, like, you know, like, again, he's like, I already know he's not staying here. Like, this cheap motel, middle of nowhere, like, you know, again, he's like, I don't buy that this is actually where they're putting you up. You just, again, you're trying to keep that veil 
the idea of, you know, being hidden and privacy. privacy and stuff like mm. that, right? Subterfuge. Subterfuge, yeah, exactly, you know. I mean, it's pretty much, I think, it was something like that in the last one or whatever, too, right? Where it's like, oh, they don't want to tell me where they are, but it's like, basically, like, I've met you, I can track you down, <laughs> you know? It's like, and just look up a phone book or something, so. so yeah, I do so- like, too, that he even says, like, with all the people looking for this, uh, the police can figure it out. For sure that, like, given yeah. enough time, they can do this without me. So he's fully agreeing to this for the money. He's like, uh, yeah, I might die. This might be really bad, but money, man. It's kind of <laughs> worth I, dying. If I don't, well, that's exactly what he said last time about Meryl, you know? He's like, well, if I get myself killed taking on her case, I won't um, be able to spend the money. But if I survive this bullshit, then I'm like, I'm still going to need to pay fucking rent, damn it, you know? So... Yeah. Goddamn capitalistic world. Goddamn. I hate it. So, yeah, wraps up his business um, and heads home. And as he's approaching his place, he gets the big old spidey senses tingling again. Two people are struggling with one another and, and one eventually escapes, but one doesn't. After flinging, like, he, like the one, like, person A flings person B, like, up and out of his stairwell, like, 20 feet or whatever it is. And so, I mean, right there you're dealing with, you know, this ain't no Father Vincent down the stairwell. <laughs> and, yeah, manages to corner them, lights up his rod, holds it, don't move. Like, again and again, Harry's been saying for the last couple books how he's had so many vampire attacks coming on him so again he's got to be a lot more primed for this all the time now right like it's no more it's not a surprise it's like i expect it every time <laughs> every time i come home i have to just fight off an assassin Are you pretty much That's so tired right? like oh my god it's like he's sitting in his bag you know like like if you had to like run like i don't know the neighbors like dogs or something to get into here <laughs> he's like it's like so much worse than that you know he's like i'll take the football um, but yeah, I guess the old lights up his rod, make him move and I'll fry you. <laughs> and then his red glowing blasting rod lights up the figure of a woman. Ooh. Well, Susan said, looking from the sizzling blasting rod up to my face, I've heard of running into an old flame, but this is ridiculous. Da-da-da! <laughs> oh, Susan. Oh, Susan. <sighs> Poor hair. You know... I think we were talking about back in Stormfront or whatever when he meets Bianca and we were like, do they get to, like, does their human flesh mask, like, look like what they, that person that they were? Do they get to make it whatever they are? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we run into or will run into, I'm sure, other shapeshifters, you know. It's like, really? Why does anybody ever attack Harry as anybody other than, well, or even, like, like when um, Murphy got attacked by the Nightmares Dresden. Because, you know, Dresden walks in and sees all ready to, to blow everything to bits. And he's like, oh, hi, Elaine. He just stops, stunned and all in shock. And then it's like, Susan pops up and he's just got his blasting rod ready to go. But he just pauses and is like, uh, Susan. And, like, you know what I mean? To be fair, he does that with all sexy women, even if he doesn't know them. Well, there's a certain amount of that, too. <laughs> even so if he hasn't slept with them, he stops and pauses and describes Ooh, their nipples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Harry. <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I just realized one of those things. I was like, you can get him every time. It just does make you think, though, that maybe they can't change their flash mask. Because like every time he sees Bianca, she looks like Bianca. Maybe they just have one they prefer. But yeah, there's a certain yeah. point where it's like, Kelly and Kyle, you, he clearly hates you. Why not be a new face every time? Why not not look related? Yeah. 
But yeah. maybe they can only do like that one thing, or maybe it is just like you know one face is easier and easier. You practice that one face, so it gets easier and easier than doing other faces, so it's just easier to do the same face. Maybe know, or like where they. It does seem like there would have been a lot of more options for them to just constantly be a new face. It'd be constantly easier for them to have to be like. Fuck. Well, that too, you'd never know. Show me your blood right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So <laughs> for some reason, I have in my head when you're describing this one of those rubber toys, like like like, like the rubber men that you, you like can, stretch. Like, Armstrong, <laughs> but it just comes back to the same image. Same it's like right. their faces are like that. They just, just you know go, comes back to that default yeah. shape. There you go. Yeah, you can you can change and stretch it to a certain degree, but sooner or later, skin memory. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, I said like muscle memory. Like one face is easier. You do it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's just literal in this sense. Yeah, well, I guess muscle memory is also literal. But okay, yeah. So boom, hello season. Girl, we were we just talking about you. What? Seriously. Oh, my God. What I was just met up with Morty. We were just trying to figure out what the hell happened to you, why you disappeared, and what the hell you're doing in Peru. You know, what? Susan, I went on Larry Fowler and met a vampire today because you couldn't forward me your new contact address. If you, could, if you could have shown up, like, 24, even 12 the hours night before. sooner, yeah. you would have saved me a lot of hassle. <laughs> <laughs> This concludes our episode 10.2, An Old Flame. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at freeflowrambling.com and mackinallies.ca. There we have links to our other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and please consider supporting us through Patreon to keep the magic alive and to see more content. We are Free Flow Rambling, conjured by it at your own risk. <laughs>